Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my very special guest, Ty Stover. Ty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dustin. So check this out, guys. Um, I have said repeatedly on this show, for those that have been tuning in for the past 80 plus episodes, that we call it the Loan Officer Podcast, but this is not a show geared specifically towards mortgage professionals. It's called the Loan Officer Podcast because I am a loan officer by trade, and I feel like everyone should know a loan officer. Now, Ty is the reason why I say everyone should learn, should, should get to know a loan officer, oh because as a loan officer, we know people. We have connections. And Ty is a cool-ass dude with a really awesome story. And we're going to share today's story, or we're going to share Ty's story today on this episode because there's going to be motivation to be pulled. We're going to entertain you as well, I promise. He's a cool dude, cool guys, tend to be funny guys, funny, makes entertaining. But what a cool story. Let me just walk you through. So currently, if you were to look him up on LinkedIn, and it's S-T-O-V-E-R, you're going to see he works at EA Sports. Okay, so that is his current role. But who is Ty Stover to me? Well, first, he's a Marine. He's a combat veteran. He is an entrepreneur, right? Used to own a bar, used to own a club, a nightclub. He's a real estate investor. He's a dad. He's a son. And yes, he currently works at EA Sports, which by the way, let me put this in perspective. For those that don't know EA Sports, you know the game Madden. It's one of the most popular video games ever, right? Madden football. And every year, it's a big to-do on who gets on the cover. Well, who is Ty Stover to me? This is the dude that has one of the biggest says on who goes on the cover. Because part of your job, and this is a dream job to, to people like me, you interact with celebrity athletes, correct? Correct. Yeah. That's your job Yeah. today. I mean, there's more to that, but yes. <laughs> there, to me, there's not, okay? It's, it's not 365 days of interacting with celebrity athletes, yes. Yeah, but like, okay... Um, drop some names on some of the people that, eh, you know, their people, you talk to their people, you've worked with them. Sure. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, James Harden, uh, Connor McDavid, Connor McGregor, you know, it's the, the top in NFL, NBA, uh, UFC, NHL. Yeah. Yeah. So like your job is, yeah, I interact with those people and their people. Yes, yes. Yes. And depending on how much interaction I've had with those individuals, as, that I have a connection with them as individuals. But I, I professionally find more value interacting with their people. And I think that's probably something that, that has given me more success in this in this trade, that I'm not, uh, quote unquote, thirsty uh, for the interaction with said celebrity. I'm more of um, I find more value and being close to the individual's management and having a, a strong relationship there because ultimately that's going to benefit uh, EA and myself uh, through the, pros- the process of negotiations, logistics, and everything that comes with the hard part of that. Um, if we do that right, then, then the player is going to be satisfied anyways. All right, perfect. That's where you are today. Here's what I want to focus on if it's okay with you, Ty. Sure. I want to focus on how you got there. Because let me ask you this, as an 18-year-old graduating from Mainland High School, which by the way, Vince Carter, NBA legend, also graduated from Mainland High School. For those that are listening outside of the uh, Southeast, Mainland High School is in Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, But at 18, I'm imagining you never envisioned your career where it is today. You didn't sit down at 18 saying... I think I want to work for uh, one of the world's largest video game manufacturers. And I think I want to carve out a niche in their marketing department, but not just their marketing department. I want to be the guy that negotiates deals Mm -hmm. with celebrity athletes to be featured on our video game. Yeah, I, Obviously, at 18, I I didn't know the role. (laughs) I didn't know of such role Um, and and definitely didn't think my path was going to get there anytime soon uh, with with, you know, heading towards the military and, and trying to just figure out what college is. And, and I actually, I have like an idea of, of 
what I thought I was going to do. And it was just like a, a suit and a briefcase. And it was going to probably be in a larger city than Daytona, maybe Orlando. <laughs> and I was going to uh, tighten up my tie and I was going to go work for this business and doing business business stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you chose the Marine Corps, right? Yes. 18 years old, really cool story. How did you, like, did you go into it thinking, well, I don't know what else to do. Um, that sounds fun. Or was it um, you wanted to be a career Marine? Like you thought, you know what, I'm going to make the next 25, 30 years yeah. out of this because maybe you come from a military family. What was your thought process when you chose the military out of high school versus college? Yeah, I think it could, could have gone a few different directions at the time. And I was probably open-minded because I didn't have any set direction on the on the in slate or the in, the end goals there. But no, my, my thought was... Uh, my grades aren't great. Uh, my parents don't have any money saved. I do want to go to college because in my mind, uh, an education was going to get me that business stuff job uh, in the future. And um, so I had to get that done. And going to you know the community college in Daytona on my own dime was going to last a few semesters. And then I would end up you know stuck there uh, you know doing something else. And that's not what I wanted to do. So you know as I went to the to the Marine Corps. You know, you start to think, oh, I could maybe do this for a career. But I think my mind was always one foot out the door. Yeah, which you know, I like this. I like this for, um, you know, any parent listening that has teenage children or, or, you know, anyone who is 17 to 23 years old. You went at it strategically, right? Mm -hmm. You went at it and said, wait a minute, I can go serve my country. I can go um, travel. I can go uh, pick up a new skill set, right? Because I'm sure you had some form of a occupation that they that they trained you in. Mm -hmm. uh, and your occupation may have been how to hold a <laughs> uh, a, 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 a ma deuce, you know, uh, uh, machine gun. But but nonetheless, um, but you knew that this was how you were going to earn a paycheck, um, obtain a skill set, but also through the GI Bill, have money that when you're done with your four years, you'll be able to go to college and have your college paid for. Correct. Yeah, all the above. I mean, you, there's tuition assistance while you're in. So if you find time uh, between your quote-unquote nine-to-five in the military, you can. there's usually colleges uh, remotely that are, that are on base or somewhere locally in town that maybe you could go to. Um, so that was kind of my first, I mean, right, right when I remember checking in after going through, you know, basic training and um, all the stuff leading up to my first duty station, I mean, I'm talking like first weeks, I was like, okay, like, how do I go to the education center and how do I keep, get this going? Yeah, because you went in very strategically. Right. And I actually brought, <laughs> I would talk to other people. I, I should have been getting a cut of these, but I, I was bringing people with me and I'm like, you got to come get an education too. Like, what, what are you going to do? You know? Was it free? Like when you were enlisted, mm -hmm. it was free. Completely free. Yeah, I think I, I may have had to pay a little extra for some books. Um, but yeah, it's, it was actually at that time more free, you know, while you're in. And then when you got out, it had a, a, a GI Bill that was paid for most of it. And that is since transition. They have what's called post 9-11 GI Bill, which is like essentially everything covered. So, you know, I got all the way through my master's barely paying anything. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so it's, I mean, when people say like, oh, well, you, you gave a lot for your country. I'm like, my country gave me a lot too. Like I'm, I'm not one to raise my hand and be like, I'm a veteran over here. Where's my discount? Because I feel so gracious for, uh, for one knowing what I was getting into, right? Like I joined, as you said, I, I was strategic and understanding that I'm going into this thing. It's not going to be fun as college, but it's going to give me a college education at the end of the day. And then, you know, trying to go from that and understand that um, it's going to be cheaper, but then the, over time, actually getting a free education for the most part, maybe a few books along the way here and there, um, felt like more than I ever expected to get out of it. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, I any young person who will actually listen to me, which most don't, right? They're looking <laughs> like, oh, God, you're like my dad, or maybe I could be the cool uncle to somebody. Sure. Um, but I'm like, look, look at the military. Look at the military. I mean, it, yeah, you went Marine Corps. You went hardcore. A uh, cool story behind this, and I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit, but Ty went to the Marine Corps because one of his best friends called him out 
Yeah. Right. He called out your manhood. Yeah. You were going to go with a different uh, branch of the service. Yeah. And uh, he called you out and uh-huh. you accepted the challenge and you said, OK, I'll be a Marine, too. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> I, I was um, we were going to this rope swing after school. We might have we might have skipped some classes here um, at, when we were H- going to the, hence the great issue. You yeah. Had in yeah. High school. This, I'm not uh, I'm not saying this is a good thing, um, but uh, I think we we dipped out of like sixth period or seventh period and we were going to go to this rope swing which was something to do, I guess. And uh, the, the rope swing was on this really big tree. And um, essentially my buddy was like, he's just, he was like doing backflips off this thing, no problem. And I'm just like shaking, climbing the thing. And uh, he, he called me a few names and he's like, and that's why you're going to go join the army or something. You know, that's why you're not going to join the Marines. And I was like, you know, F you, I'm getting up there. And so I climbed to the top and I jumped off the thing. And then like, yeah, I think later that week, you know, his recruiter was calling me because he had told him like, he's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, it's, that's, I mean, that's, it, it's honestly, it was that simple. Um, but, yeah, but <laughs> I, I love that story for you at, you know, going back to 18, like we, we know where you are, right? It's how I kicked the show off. Like we know what you get to do now, yep. which is really cool. Um, so you do the Marine Corps, you do it for, I believe you said like eight, 10 years, yep. uh, right? You were, well, you're still in, you're, you're still a active reservist. Um, yeah. Reservist. Yep, exactly. So no, I, um, I did just over eight years, almost nine years. Um, actually. what was your method of service? They, they call that right. Like when when you go to basic training, then you go off and you learn a skill set. Yeah, yeah. What, so what was over your... the course of my career, I did detainee operations and I did administration. So okay, when I came back here, that was your business stuff. That was put on your tie yeah, and exactly go to right. the office and do business exactly stuff. Exactly right, and probably the best best decision I made because um, it did structure kind of my day to day to be more structured and nine to five ish. Um, while I was there, um, versus you know going to the field on the weekends and doing different stuff, it would, would have ultimately hurt my college. And I don't know if my recruiter stirred me in this direction because he, he knew where my goals were or or what. Um, but I ended up going that direction um, instead, and, and it worked out well because you know that the job became available here in Orlando, and uh, otherwise wouldn't have been. So it's just kind of if things of you know how the world works it kind of like yeah one, everything one, happens for a reason yeah one I little mean, passive decision you made 10 years ago starts to like make an opportunity now and i'm sure it would have been the same if i went different direction but it would have been in a different direction yeah your job today with ea sports working with all these celebrity athletes and their teams is because ea is has a huge operation in north orlando right yeah. in, in maitland florida um had you not through the Marine Corps, made it back here. Who's to say that you actually would have opened a bar in Orlando, opened a nightclub in Orlando, yeah. stayed in Orlando long enough to, to, to have EA find you or you find them. Yeah. But I think the big takeaway for me and what I want others to, to get out of this is the military is a fantastic alternative or a fantastic selection for so many mm-hmm. of, of, of young adults because of it's a job with secure income because it will allow you to obtain a, a four-year degree. But also in your case, you said you got your master's degree utilizing mm-hmm. some of the benefits of, of serving your country, Correct. which yeah. I think is phenomenal. So you are no longer active um, full-time uh, in, in the Marine Corps. You, I don't know what they call it. You, you're, I'm in the reserves. You're now. in the reserves. Okay. Yeah. But, um, you open was it the bar first or the nightclub first? Uh, the bar. The yeah. bar. And there was, you know, there's a lot that, that kind of transitioned to this. I was doing like um, nightclub promotions and trying to be like an event manager. And I think at that point, my my thought was I'm going to be like a a party planner for celebrities or something one day or something. I don't know. But at, at the time, I was just trying to cut my teeth on some things and. So I started just doing, because you thought that would be cool. Like it, it yeah. seemed like something that you liked going out. You liked. Yeah. doing the nightclub scene. So he was like, well, if I like doing this for fun, why shouldn't I try to work in this industry? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily think I was going to get into the venue ownership or management portion when I was in that, but it just one thing led to another and I got connected with other um, promoters and it, it was kind of seamless to, you know, when another promoter who I've been working with is like, Hey, I'm thinking about leasing this spot and opening a bar. Would you have any interest in that? I was like, yeah. Yeah, tell me more. So, um, you know, I invested in that and we just kind of was was a part of that. Just me and him running that um, sort of day to day. And, uh, you know, 
over Did time. you have any experience running a bar prior none, to that? None at all. And I mean, outside of just seeing it, right? Seeing managers run bars and seeing good managers and bad managers just from being on the club side. But but in terms of getting a liquor license or yeah, decor, nothing. hiring wait staff, servers, yeah, bartenders, no, none of that. None of that. And uh, way over my head immediately. I mean, the, the bar industry is, is, is kind of a grind. And uh, so, you know, it's it was uh, it was eye opening. And I, I've always had this. Um, mantra if you will or our feeling is to like be, be financially prudent but be like executionally reckless and what i mean by that is like i've always been one and it's maybe been ingrained in me since i was younger and didn't have money and, and trying to figure out what makes sense and how to make money but like if you see an opportunity and you have the capital and it's something that's going to benefit you potentially long term then just do it because we talked about college and I, I'm gracious enough or, or grateful enough that, that my college courses were paid for, but I still got the invoices. You know, mm-hmm. I can still see that this class was $1,200, you know, Western Civilization two. I can't tell you one topic that we talked about in Western Civilization two, but that, that school got paid $1,200 out of taxpayer dollars, I guess, in the, in the means of things. But so why is it so hard for me to think if doing a club promotion is gonna be $1,200 and I have the potential to lose some of that but also learn why wouldn't I do that? So like I think that like you get a lot more connected to to losses than you do to wins. And so, so you're you're speaking to my heart, and I'm gonna make you repeat because I've never heard your quote before, and it may be yours. It's an original, which is fantastic. We need to get that thing plastered all over the place like your Jim Rohn. Um, but what was it again? Be financially prudent and executionally reckless. Executionally reckless. I love the word reckless. And I love the word pr- prudent. Like right. I think that's 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 fabulous. And then what you're saying is, which again, you're speaking to my heart. Why in the hell are we so okay as a society to go drop five, six, seven grand mm-hmm. on one semester of coursework at you name that college, but we're not willing to go drop three or four or five grand to chase a business opportunity that worst case, we learn something and it cost us five grand. Best case, we learned something and we turned our five grand into 50 grand more than likely, it'll be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Right. I saw this posted on Facebook, and I wish I could remember. Um, it's going to be a shout out to a mortgage professional. It's Amber Patterson, I believe is her name. Uh, well, I, I know an Amber Patterson, but I'm pretty sure it's Amber that had posted this on Facebook. Okay. And I'm going to butcher it, but it, it correlates to what you're saying. And I think this is a massive takeaway for those that have made it this far into this episode. Um, and her post was, Basically, why when someone goes out and they sign a $30,000 loan to buy a car, we applaud them. Why when someone goes out and drops 60 or 100 grand on a college education, we applaud them. Why when someone drops $250,000 on a home loan, we throw them a party and applaud them. But someone wants to go out and spend $10,000 to chase a, a idea that they have in order to create a career path for themselves all of a sudden. And this is typically moms and dads to their children or, you know, it's sister to brother, best friend to best friend. Oh, I don't know. That's, that's pretty risky. Yeah. That's pretty risky to drop 10 grand. And you're telling me based on your ideas and your experiences with the bar and with the nightclub and the promotions that you did along the way, look, worst case, I was going to learn something. Mm -hmm. And for me to drop 12 grand on Western Civ two, Right. which I can't tell you one thing about 15 years later or me to spend $12,000 or $1,200 on this promotion that I can tell you three life lessons. I learned two wins and one loss. Yeah. Yeah. It's a no brainer. We as a society have this part of my French, but f-ed up. Yeah. Like we, what's wrong with us? I don't know. What is wrong yeah. with us? So, um, the bar, you keep it really cool story. Is it still around or no. did you, you guys sold it? Yeah. So made uh, some money. Uh, yes and no. Okay. You know, so we, you know, we, we, we kept the bar, we in, invested in, there was a, a nightclub next door to it that was having some financial troubles. And the, the landlord who, uh, we were leasing our spot from was basically like, Hey guys, you're on the bar business. You want to be in the nightclub business. And, 
Uh, yeah, (laughs) we're like, okay, you know, and everything was already in line there. Um, as far as liquor license and the, the, the setup of the establishment and whatnot. And that was a, you know, a more expensive, um, you know, venture. And, but we felt pretty strong about it and we're like, yeah, we can do it. It's going to help. You know, if we can make the, the nightclub happen, then we can make the bar happen even better and we can have some crossover here and it can work out better for us versus like kind of us versus them. And yeah, some synergy. Yeah. Which it, in, in all businesses, you look for synergy. Sure. So it felt like a it felt like a no brainer. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's the expenses were tenfold on a monthly basis and to, to try to keep up with that. And, and in a place uh, we were out by UCF. And, you know, college crowds are, are just flying by the seat of their pants, whatever just seems cool. And that's a that's a lot to, to juggle, um, just basically two of us and some good uh, bartenders that were, you know, are, are speaking, our faces of the franchise, if you will. And uh, so, you know, it, it went well for a while and good things, and it went bad and some other things and some months. And I'm like, how the hell are we going to pay for this? And you, you, you get by, and then over time... Um, it all happened really fast, but another opportunity for a spot uh, happened downtown. And we're like, okay, let's just let's just keep let's just open another bar. And it was a smaller spot; it felt a lot more manageable at the time. I wanted something I could manage that felt easier. Um, and I think in my in my heart, I almost wanted out as soon as possible. Just the grind was was grueling on me. But again, it's it's one of those things where it's like you're. And every one of those losses where you lose sleep and you're thinking about how could I get better and you're doing all this stuff, you're learning. And you're learning a lot more than you would taking a nightclub class um, about management or hiring or any of this stuff. Maybe that stuff could have helped me. But you're learning more on the fly and taking L's than in the, in the moment. So, yeah, we transitioned from the bar to the bar in the nightclub to the bar in the nightclub in another bar. And then that nightclub was basically not going to work anymore. <laughs> and so we, we basically washed our hands of that, took a, took a pretty fat L on that yeah. one, um, and kept both bars open for a little while. And then we had an opportunity to sell the one downtown that we just opened, um, basically like to, to get out of the lease in a favorable way because there was going to be another person who was going to be a more concrete answer for them as the landlord, I guess. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, we got basically like, hey, you know, we're going to essentially pay what you were going to pay this year for you to get the hell out of here. And we're like, ah, oh, fine. You know, we still have this other bar. And then over time, I think, you know, over the, oh, I'd say probably over the next year and a half, two years or something, we just, I, I my, me and my partner at the time were just like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is not, not us. And so I think that we did okay financially. There was definitely no like nest egg that we made out of the whole thing, but we also didn't like kill ourselves financially on the, well, on say, the back but, end. But well, two questions. One was, do you regret anything you did during that time period? No, I mean, I, sure. If you could go back, you would change some things and maybe not even invest in well, the bar in the first place, you, right? You'd but, maybe do it different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but when you look at what you gained personally. Sure. You know, like it, whether it's, you know, in your head or in your heart. Yeah. Is there anything about those experiences that, that you would trade or are you grateful that they led you to where you are today 100 percent grateful and i and i think that's yeah all all bad things that have happened um in that you know twelve hundred dollars of spending here and there and there and there because yeah like you said it's just there's experiences and knowledge that you won't forget um you know the topics and the people and the understanding of what you're doing wrong and and when you realize that you're not good at something that hurts that burns you a little bit um so you either buckle down and try to get better at that or you you really get in your heart of hearts and, and say, am, am I wired for this kind of stuff? Is this where my passion's at? Is this where my happiness is going to come from? And and you evaluate, and I've always been one to kind of reevaluate my situations. I, you know, it's easy to do it on January 1st and try to think about things, but it doesn't need to be just in the beginning of the year. You know, you can just have any life lesson that kind of got you there and sit down and, and write it out in your head or write it out on a piece of paper and, you know, where where do you want to be? Is this still the path? Like, and in that case, it's like, okay, is my path to get more nightclubs in downtown Orlando? And is this where, do I want to be this 45 year old guy who sits here and tries to look cool with kids and make cool promotions? And I, I, I don't know. I, I, it started to feel a little more grimy, yeah. a little more grimy and a little more of a grind daily than I really wanted to be. And I didn't see kind of structure and family life and all these things like it, it wasn't conducive to where I wanted to be in my 30s um, so 
Is this what led you then to, because you mentioned you were able to get your master's degree mm-hmm. utilizing some of your, your GI benefits or yeah. all of your GI benefits. Uh, was that your next progression? What was getting the master's or yeah. did you get the master's I was, before um, that? I was, I was getting my master's kind of in the process of okay. all of this. Um, so, and, and the schoolwork at that time um, was easy compared to life work. So it's like, I, and my mindset going into schoolwork was the best it's ever been. I would say my master's program, I took every class seriously um, to the point I would get ridiculed by classmates because... I would have to remind them, guys, you know, we're here to learn. Like, we're actually here to pick up this stuff. And you don't realize until you have experiences like I was going through to understand, like, if you're taking a class that's about accounting, like, how to try to attribute that to something that's actually going on in your life versus just like, oh, accounting, get it done, get my B and move along. Yeah, so so, so now you're going to force me to hop on a soapbox, um, which I know some of the uh, purpose of this platform is so I can get on my soapbox, right? Maybe some people want to hear what I have to say and be like, yes, some people want to hear what I want to say and say, you're a dumbass. That's okay too. But I have found that someone obtaining their master's, their MBA, right after they have have, uh, graduated with their undergraduate, makes no sense to me. Makes zero sense there. I know there are some professions, Mm -hmm. right? That yes, you just have to go straight through. But for those people in the business world, especially, no, go get some world experience, go get some life experience, get out there, get dirty, um, get some bruises, some scrapes, some scars, get some experience, then go back. It could be just two years later. It could be six years later, but go back that way. You're in a different mindset. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's no different than I'm talking to my 15 year old right now who, you know, he's a sophomore in high school and he wants to take these AP courses and he wants to take these dual enrollment courses, which Mm. look, I'm all for, I really am. If we're doing it for the right reason, as a parent, I tell him the right reason is GPA. He's like, yeah, but dad, I'm getting these college credits. And I'm I'm like, look, more than likely the school you go to, isn't going to give you a one for one on those credits. And secondly, you're learning this with a 15 year old brain. Mm -hmm. Some of the subject matter is better off with a 21 year old brain. Yeah. Right, you with your masters, it's like no, the the guy getting his masters. Which, by the way, what is your master's degree in? Entertainment business. Entertainment business yeah. is someone who had life experience. Right, eight years in the Marine Corps, had had been deployed to Iraq, had lived in places like Michigan or Hawaii, <laughs> um, had run, built nightclubs, had had to go through liquor license. You knew what it was to do payroll. You know, before you took that that accounting class. Yeah. Like, it's it's so paramount, in my opinion. If you can do it, it makes more sense to go out and get your master's way after the fact, meaning put a gap in between mm-hmm. the bachelor degree and the master's degree. So, you lived it. Yeah. I preach it. Um, it's an interesting take, though, because I can understand why you would want to keep, keep it rolling, you know, so to speak, because... You step away from coursework. It's tough to write a paper again when you get back in there, especially at a master's level. So when your mind's out of it and you're going back in, it is it's harder. But I think you're right. I think you come into it the right, with a better mindset of why you're there in the first place. Yeah, it's um, the stickiness factor. Yeah, the 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 concepts being taught are stickier when you can correlate them to life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's why if you're an undergrad, yeah, intern, 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 as many internships as you can get. At a minimum, they're going to teach you what you don't want to do for a living. At a minimum. And they still look good on your resume. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you, you have to be able to, to correlate your coursework with reality. But you can only do so if you're exposing yourself to real situations. No, I, I agree. I, I was in, in this uh, architecture academy in high school, and I was going to be an architect. And there was no doubt about it I was going to be an architect. And over time, I realized I don't really like math. And then I— And you can't draw. And, well, yeah, that too. And yeah. um <laughs> And uh, but I was grinding away and I was doing my thing and and we got to go shadow uh, some architecture firms and I was I was blown away at how boring this life is and and the mindset um, you know they tried to this is you know the architecture firm and this is cool and blah 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 but you get down to talking to like one individual. And they would be like, yeah, I'm just working on the window frames of this one building over and over again, basically, like how to make those fits within a a larger commercial product. Um, 
and at the time you're in high school and you're and you're dumb and you don't understand any better and you're you know it's 15 year old sophomore you're thinking i'm going to build these designer multi-million dollar homes right out of the gate and people are going to pay me so much money and it's going to be awesome and meanwhile a shadowless guy takes us to lunch he's kind of like an extended cab 1995 s10 and i'm like this guy's an architect yeah <laughs> i'm like holy crap man i'm going the wrong direction it's not the truck was yeah. fine but i was like god this guy's supposed to be in a lamborghini i think i i don't know where he, he maybe didn't bring it in today he's got some <laughs> yard work to do after this i don't know but it was it was kind of a shock to me and i was like why am i you know, it dinged in something in my head. It was like, I'm chasing something that I don't even know that I like. I'm chasing it for, for finances. And this guy's driving an S10 and making windows. And I'm like, shit, this isn't me either. No, not then, for me. No, yeah, thank and, you. and then over time, the, the grades kind of kicked me out of uh, engineering school or in architecture anyways. But uh, it just wasn't, you know, it, it was like, wow, okay. The, the the mindset and, you know, so what you're saying is, is true in a lot where you have the opportunity to intern or sit in or just pick someone's brain, do it because you, they might say something and be like, oh, like their whole idea of what it is might change. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, that is that is the best advice we can give to anybody who is either raising children or is listening because they are 17, 19, 23 years old and they're at that point in their life. I mean, I remember, um, you, know, you just don't know, right? You're young. You don't know. Right. You're, you're not worldly. You're not exposed. Uh, you haven't been in the room where it happens because you haven't been invited yet. Yeah. And someone says, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, well, I like people. And I like to talk. Okay, I'll get a communications degree. Sure. And then I'll go into human resources. What does human resources do? I have no idea, but it has the word human in it. So I think I'm going to work with people. And I like people and people like me. Yeah. And then I went and I job shouted. I was a senior in high school. An HR manager at a local um, employer who they employ thousands of employees. Mm-hmm. And she was so excited. To, to have me in there. She was so excited to show me around and to answer all of my questions. And I left there and probably like you, I was like, yeah, that's not what I envisioned myself doing. Yep. Now, it's interesting. I fast forward 20 plus years from that moment. Here, when I go to the office at Waterstone Mortgage, one of my main roles is to work side by side with my HR department. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny how things do come full circle in yeah, life. Yeah. Um, and I embrace my role and I love what I do and I try hard to be really good at it. Yeah. But I came about that role through a much larger career progression, right? Cause I ended up as a loan officer. It wasn't until I went from loan officer to sales manager, to branch manager, to regional VP that along the way I was, uh, bestowed more responsibility. And by bestowed, I looked around and I'm like, shit, this is not going to get done, is it? I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to be the one who figures this one out. <laughs> um, and then, you know, things just from there progress. And next thing I you know it, you have 90 plus associates and all of the hiring, firing, raises, reviews run through your desk. Whether you do them or not, I do. I'm, I'm a part of that. So I guess I am in HR, but it was the 18 year old me who got to go shadow one time to say, hey, I don't want to start my career on that path. Yep. So let me let me get into this um, as we start to wrap up the show. You're at EA today, and you've been at EA Sports for how long? Uh, about going on eight years. And you landed that gig after you completed your master's degree in sports entertainment, correct? Or in entertainment um, business. Yep. Yep. business yep. Okay. Yep. Um, what is your day to day like? Because it's very intriguing. Like, sure. like I mean, look, I'm. I'm not even a video game person. Like I'm a sports nut. Yeah. Um, but as a sports nut, and as a non video game person, I at least know the, um, cool factor sure. of, you know, being on, whether it's a PGA or NBA live or Madden, like, like every year it's a big media hoopla, like who's going to be on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of what you do, but just kind of walk me through what, what is your day to day? Like, what do you love most about your job? And if someone was interested in doing something similar, what, what, uh, one or two recommendations would you have for them? Whew. Um, so day-to-day changes. I mean, I, I consider myself almost like a mercenary of sorts for EA right now because I would say a lot of people in our industry are connected to individual franchises, as in I, I'm a product manager for Madden NFL football, or I do campaign management for um, UFC or whatever it may be. I kind of float in between all these. Um, so... I, my day-to-day is, is essentially trying to connect um, with those campaign leads on a weekly basis, figure out what's coming, and what do they have needs for me 
throughout that. So, you know, the cover athletes is the most traditional, easiest to, to pinpoint. So when a cover athlete's coming along, we, we put together a lot of different ideas of, of why um, this person is going to be the face of our franchise. They're going to personify our brand for that year. And why is that? Is it something that's a product innovation in the game? And if, if that's uh, in the running game, call it in Madden, do we need to go get a running back instead of a quarterback? And how is that person going to tell a story or tell a narrative later down the line? Um, or could we sign a quarterback because there's not that um, there's nothing that's pointing towards a running back or whatever it may be. But also you got to look at on field, obviously performances the last few years. We've essentially just picked the MVP of the league and, and gone from there. And it's been a pretty no brainer. Um, you think like Lamar Jackson last year as the MVP and then Patrick Mahomes a year before that. And, well, and both guys also were younger in their careers, yeah, right? Yeah, probably it, speaks to your audience a little bit better. Totally. So you got these young, uh, big names that are doing amazing things that are different. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it was, like I said, it was kind of a no-brainer. We all walked in the room and thought the same thing. It was done. Um, so, you know, but another franchise is a little different. And it's, and it's um, you know, you think about the UFC, for instance. UFC for us is an annual title. So you have to think long-term of basically who – who's a champion now or on the cusp of being a champion and what their schedule looks like moving forward and kind of what that peak could be. I bet, I bet UFC is hard because you don't stay on top long right. in yeah. the UFC. It's very hard. And I would say that like, I don't over 50% of our cover athletes lost their next fight or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, that's the fight game though. And I think that's, I think that's forgiven in a way, as long as we, we announce why they're still meaningful and then we just kind of ride it out. But um, you, but you also want to, to align with individuals that on the UFC side that are going to have long lead or have kind of they haven't maybe reached a peak yet, but they're on their way. Um, so you have more of a long you know burn on that. But every franchise is a little different. But it, going back to day to day, it's it's a lot of meetings now, Zoom you know meetings and um, just seeing where where I'm needed and and outside of the the cover athlete stuff is just kind of executional stuff. So if we have a campaign for the NFL Pro Bowl that's now going to be played on Madden because of COVID this year, you know, how do we get individuals to play Madden, you know, for that? So we have, uh, we've hired NFL players to do that. And then there's going to be like a social campaign that goes around to promote that, that they need athletes to post the social. So, you know, those are the kind of triggers that I have to then pull and say, you know, if we want this much coverage, what's your budget? How many do we want these guys to make sense for me? Do they make sense? They align with what you're going. Is the NFL approving of these individuals? We because we're licensed products, so everything's got to go. So back let me to get that. this right, because now I'm like super stoked. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so you essentially, um, and we're going to use Madden in this in this this example. Sure. Madden says, hey, we need to increase the amount of users that that how many people are playing Madden. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, okay, well, obviously we'll get a we'll get a, a spike when we announce the cover. Yep. Of, of who's going to be on the cover. It's always a big deal. But you guys are taking it one step further. You're like, look, we need to get some of these players actually playing. So your job is to then take the budget that's given to you by by the, the people higher up at EA, and whether it's $10 or $10 million, figure out how can you get the most bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. So you reach out to Von Miller's camp, or you reach out to... James Robinson, who is a came on the scene for the Jacksonville Jaguars out of nowhere, and yeah. so you're like, well, maybe because he was undrafted rookie free agent, I can get some good bang in Jacksonville for a, for less money than maybe what it would yeah. cost Von Miller, who's been in the league, uh, defensive player of the year. Like you get to help make those sure. decisions, sure. And, and mean, then you have to reach out to the people's camps and like yeah. facilitate it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we can talk about that, the logistics of that forever. And and Jacksonville doesn't get enough love. I'm a Jags fan, so. Well, I think you should put Blake Bortles <laughs> oh. on Madden, okay. but put him in a UCF jersey number five. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, J- look, if I have any say. Yeah. That would be my vote. There's a reason you don't have say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shout out to the boat, Blake Bortles, hometown hero. Gotta love him. Um, no, yeah. So I think it's, you know, like I said, there's there's basically the the big traditional day to day thing. So if you want to use a cover athlete, for instance, we we're talking about that for months, and we're kind of dwindling our list to who makes the most sense, and then 
we start to pick why that makes the most sense. And then everybody's got to hand, like, handhold and say, this is the guy. And there's always going to be someone who's like, oh, I think it should be Blake Bortles. And you're like, no, no. And um, then we get there and, you know, essentially reach out and we start talking about numbers and services and how we're going to execute those and when we're going to execute and what the ground rules are. And in a traditional standpoint, I would try to meet with these individuals in person and talk them through what this game is and why that's going to be awesome for them. And it's amazing that we're paying you. You should probably be paying us for how awesome this opportunity is going to be for you. And, uh, and then there's the executing of that where we do photo shoots and video shoots and commercials and advertising stuff and, and getting those people from to and from where they're going and working that in between their training schedules and their camps and uh, seasons sometimes, which I try to avoid, but Figuring out that, you know, I know that NFL players have Tuesday off traditionally or that some teams don't know their schedules until Monday morning or whatever. And you just work through those logistics and then you got to get flights and you got to get figure out if uh, dietary restrictions, you know, if they're only eating salmon and salad right now, then that better be there. You know, there's and then how many people come with them is there, you know, what's what's kind of their entourage and how can I restrict that and what's their you know, level of whatever their services are, you know, athletes aren't as bad as musicians or actors with their writers or any all blue M&Ms or none of that shit. Uh, we don't like there's not a lot of that, but we want to make sure that it's very seamless and they have this kind of a really good experience when they're working with a company like EA. Entourage. So this word, yeah. um, you and I were talking off camera and we don't unfortunately have like a, an a, a endless time. I wish we did. Yeah. You have to get back to work. I have to get back to work. But you mentioned entourage twice. Yeah. Uh, in our pre-interview. Yeah. One was you and I were talking about the entourage that comes with some of these celebrity athletes. Sure. Because I thought an angle that maybe we would take is, um, you know, there's a history of celebrities mismanaging their, their money. You and I talked off camera like, you know what, there probably wouldn't be good content for, for this particular show. Maybe we can come back and recreate a show where we really dive deep into what you've been able to witness uh, in your career field but the one thing that you said about entourage uh, that I really wanted to, to hit on was, A, athletes don't really mismanage their money the way they used to, but they do allow their entourage to, to pull money. Yeah. That's something you have to deal with. You have to deal with not just getting the celebrity athlete here, but then how many people are they bringing with them? And what, what is that going to do? Is that going to... Uh, pull the athlete away from the, from the focus that you need them to do. But no, the show entourage. That's what I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. What was it about the show entourage that had the biggest impact on you and your career? I, I would just say, I mean, I, I loved entourage. I love, I, I loved the, how fast the episodes were and how fun they were. Um, but what grabbed me about entourage was was this like group of dudes and E is, is you know. Yeah, Eric or E, yeah. yeah. He is, and he's, he became, without any real college education or background training or internships or shadows, became a manager for one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And you can kind of see that trials and tribulation. And I kind of, I found myself like connecting with him spiritually in that idea of like, this guy's just grinding. He found himself in the world of entertainment and I can too. Like, why can't I figure out how to be a manager? And in Hollywood, it was never really my, my thought, but uh, maybe that's music or maybe that's athletes or maybe that's something. But I've always had that idea for some reason connected with E as, a, as an individual. And it actually, I think it did. It kind of gave me some inspiration as a career path. As I, a I mean, and I want to bring that up because I think it's A, extremely endearing, but I think it's awesome. Like, I think it's awesome that anyone can be sitting at home whether it's Netflix, Hulu, or HBO, yeah. and see something and say, why not me? Because I don't think enough people do that. I don't think enough folks, especially younger folks, but even people in there who's 40. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're 40 you're not doing what you want to do, ask yourself, why not me? There's no reason. Like, if there's a will, there truly is a way. Ty watched Entourage. He looked at E. Thank yeah. God it wasn't Turtle, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was E. You're like, if he can do it, a fictional character, so can I. Yeah. And you're doing it. Yeah. So you're um fast forward, club scenes behind you, you know, you're dialed in, you're the man at EA. Um, by the way, plug for a show that we did months ago, almost a year ago. Uh we had a gentleman on by the name of Louis Val Saint. Louis is a super cool dude, because we only have super cool people on here for yeah. one. Uh, but he taught us a term called intrapreneurship. Now you've done both. You're an entrepreneur. 
with with the bar business and the club business yeah. and the promotion business. But what people don't know is you didn't just slide into your current role at EA, right? You were an you were an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is someone who works for a larger organization, but helps create value for themselves, which then makes them super attainable for the organization, mm-hmm. right? And you did that. I mean, your, your current role, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you were not hired to do that. Correct, yeah. And, and again, I, it's, uh, I think as a business, the role needed to exist, right? But, I, but yeah, to your point, it's um, entrepreneurial uh, in the sense, I've always, I've always had an entrepreneurial mindset, right? And I've always almost been against the idea of working for the man or yeah. a corporation. But EA has given me everything I've wanted over time because I've been one to try to elevate what is important or where I think this business could be better. And at the time, there wasn't any. Uh, when I got hired, I was doing product management and there wasn't um, an athlete relations or a talent relations specific role. It had been there before and it had gone away. And, and now was being almost uh, say mismanaged because everybody who handled it only handled it in a bubble and had no sharing of what worked and what didn't or no learnings for long term or how can we make this process better because it wasn't a process to them it was an afterthought it was what they had to do they had to book a flight for this guy yeah and get him to this thing you and know? oh shit he needs salmon i forgot about that yeah. and uh it's right yeah. they're not asking those questions so as a result this individual who's a top athlete shows up to his thing and he's got maybe the wrong color shorts for the shoot this like real story like these are the things <laughs> that have happened um so like the uniform's wrong or he, he wanted this thing or he's like surprised we don't have any food or you know whatever it is and yeah so just over time of me just like beating my chest and saying like this is where I see myself, whether at EA or otherwise. And I was completely comfortable for it to be otherwise. But I knew where I wanted to go, and either I was going to make that happen for EA and be beneficial there, or I was going to do it somewhere else. Yeah, but you you created you created value for yourself, but also for the organization. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. All you had to do is get in. You got in, and and you were never afraid to say, "Not my job." Yeah. Right. You were like, "No, no, no. I, look, I, I will do that. You need someone to book flights. I'll book flights. You need someone to book." Ubers or taxis to get people from the airport and back. If I need to, I'll hop in my own car and go pick someone up. Yep. Uh, have you ever done that, by the way? Have you ever had to drive to the airport to pick up uh, uh, one no, of the celebrity athletes? I've had to pick up. Well, I've, I've basically made a decision that I'm going to use my rental car on the road to go pick up somebody because it's going to be easier to book. And, okay. You know, it, but but like if my rental car is suitable, as in if I have like a suburban or something that feels like something that they would feel comfortable with, then let's just make that decision and save save EA three thousand dollars for this round trip that doesn't. That really need to happen and that way i can be in the car i can be talking to the manager i already know it's seamless and then i can start actually talking about what we're going to be doing today on the way um so there's a there's been very few instances of that we try to keep it pretty pretty buttoned up but yeah when it when it makes sense and it's going to save the company money absolutely yeah but i think it's fantastic that you carved out your own role yeah. um it's very much why people become loan officers right it's it's an entrepreneur mm-hmm. who gets to go work for a larger organization Right, so you may you end up becoming an entrepreneur, yeah. but you're 100 commission. It's your book of business. Yeah, you did the same thing. You said, yeah, I've always had this is your words. I've always had an entrepreneurial you know, outlook, mm-hmm. um, but you found a way to scratch that itch with inside of a of a national worldwide mm-hmm. corporation. Um, parting shots. You're a dad now, right? Yeah. Two, two kids. Two, two kids. Two yeah. kids. Yeah. How old? Uh, one turns three tomorrow. Um, and then I got a almost one year old. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So you're going to raise these children with everything that your parents gave you mm-hmm. as well as everything they didn't. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Some of that's going to be monetary, monetary. That's okay. Easy to do. How about life lessons? What are some things that you're going to make sure your two children are taught mm-hmm. throughout their adolescence into early adulthood that you wished were taught to you? Right. This is everything that should have been taught to you in high school, but but wasn't. Yeah. But it should. I mean, I think just financial management in general is something I probably wasn't taught at all um, much growing up. Something I had to look for uh, and and seek through experiences. But I, I think more importantly, as a parent, I find it important to let your kids fail in a lot of ways and let them feel that failure. I think we're so uptight that we have to we have to produce this perfect picture of our family and look at our Christmas photos and look how great we are. And we're all smiling all the time. 
and and we're also afraid to let our kids fail and so we put them in a appropriate you know if it's sports we don't maybe if they're not travel team ready we keep them over here right or or we want to uh keep them out of ap classes because maybe we think that's going to hurt them or we're we're you know but on the flip side of that we can also inform them of why we think a certain way from our own experiences but i think it's important to let your kids fall a little bit you know don't no don't scar but maybe bruise you know and and understand that uh things are hard and you need to work for certain things and even if i had the financial means i'm not teaching you anything by just giving you money and letting you figure it out so um you know i don't think there's any one life lesson i think it's it's just imperative to to let them understand that failure is real and you're going to have a lot of it throughout your life and to be responsible with your money and try to just learn if it's just grocery store math and savings um how can you do that at an early age so that you know, if you're trying to save up for a new skateboard, how can I carve off $2 of my weekly allowance and not get a, a candy bar? And how can that attribute to $50 after six, you know, how yeah. can it make something? Um, so yeah, I don't have a clear definition. Like I said, three and one, I'm just uh, but, high level, but yeah. Yeah, but what I got from that, it's a race to failure. Who can fail the most, the quickest? Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not afraid of failure yeah. and you attack failure as a, as a um, objective, I want to get out there and fail. Mm -hmm. You will be bruised. You will be scarred. I like scars. I think scars are cool. I think chicks dig scars. (laughs) But I think scars also are reminders of what we learned. It's a reminder of a life lessons. The problem with humanities 2.0, it didn't scar you. Yeah. Right. You didn't learn enough. You dropped three grand on a, on a, on a college course or a semester that gave you no scars. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that to me is like, damn, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty in your face. It's a race to failure. Don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Ty, thank you so much for your time. I'm Dio. He's Ty Stover. You've tuned in the Loan Officer Podcast. If people want to get a hold of you, is, is LinkedIn your, your preferred method for someone to find you to connect with you? Yeah. LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Ty, okay. Ty underscore Stover. Ty underscore Stover. Um, cool story. We could talk for days. We didn't even get into your real estate investment. We didn't didn't even get into you not using your VA benefits to buy your primary home Uh um, or (laughs) your your family, your father. So many life lessons that that you have learned along the way that I think others, just by tuning in, can, can, I hope this is what they got from this, is, wow, he's just like me. I'm normal, right? Or, wow, if he can do it, so can I. There's nothing special about him. That's true. Right? Like, That was the purpose of having you on. I appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Again, Ty underscore Stover on all of your normal IGs, Facebook, Ty Stover on Facebook, Instagram. I'm Dio. This is the Loan Officer Podcast. This is all the time we have. Thank you very much. We got to go.